welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Good to be with you guys this fine day. My name is Harrison. I am Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. This is Mike Moses head bobbing along with you to our new intro music, lead pastor at Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Good to, good to um, uh, be with you all today. What's happening, Harrison? Man, not too much. We're sitting here. I'm like, I've hit that point of winter where... The novelty has worn off. I'm ready for some sunshiny yeah. days out here. Me too. Some bright skies, and we're looking at a at a gray a gray and gloomy sky out of our window here on Gilead Road this morning. But uh, no, man, all is good in the world. I am. We mentioned it a couple times, but now the cat's all the way out of the bag from Sunday morning. I can just say, my my mind is living in. Hope in a house of blues land already. I'm so excited. Your mind is in that land. Oh, Your yeah. mind is in the land of dealing with agents of artists. That's right. One artist uh, directly. Um, and thanks, thank you for working hard to, to research and look at all these different bands and pick the right ones for us. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I've been, uh, you don't know this, but Aaron Gibson and I, uh, at, he's the Westlake pastor, uh, we we were looking ahead at the sermons for that month. I, I prepare further ahead for Hope and House of Blues sermons than normal. And uh, honestly, we felt like our original plans need a bit more heft hmm. in the biblical texts that we had planned on. So he and I are, are hobnobbing about that this week. Nice. So we're, our head is in that game. What's kind of fun, we haven't really rolled this out yet, um, uh, is that Along with the Sunday morning worship of Hope and House of Blues, our whole church of all ages will be synchronized. Sunday evening's remix will be focusing on, uh, they're going to call it, um, oh, re, not retool. Um, re, I for, I re something. I forget the name. <laughs> yeah. um, but they're going to focus all the, the Sunday nights in, in March on the blues of mental mm. and emotional health for teenagers. And how uh, what Scripture has to say about that—it's a really important focus. Wednesday nights is going to have March Madness, uh, uh, springing up hope in children, grade school children. We're going to have an uh, event and discipleship content every Wednesday night for Lake Forest grade school kids. We're hoping that if you have children, you'll invite some of your children's friends. This is for the community. We're also hoping that people with teenagers like you, um, Harrison, will. That'll be the month where you'll bribe your teenage son. You'll Harrison, just go ahead and don't say it on because he's a private guy. He doesn't need his business out on, on the street. But you right now, go home and talk with Emily. What if you said, "Hey, son, I, I just I really this is going to be so relevant to you and your friends. I really need you to be there every Wednesday night in March." And if you do, at the end of it, we will take you for a steak dinner at Red Rocks. He actually he actually is digging a cheesecake factory cheesecake at okay. the moment. So yeah, there you go. We'll throw you get out. to do that twice, son, because that's not as much money. <laughs> that's right. Um, so uh, and then we're going to have a congregational mission project and art project. Uh, pretty pumped about it. But today's yeah. Ask LFC podcast is a follow up to the sermon, the last sermon in Jesus over everything, which is Jesus is Lord. But the question to us is, will we? allow him to be and invite him to be Lord over specific areas of our life. And this Sunday was Jesus over tribalism. That's right. And we went back and forth on whether to call it Jesus over tribe. And then as my definitions showed in the sermon, we realized tribe is a positive thing, both in its historic 
uh, usage of definite groupings of Aboriginal peoples in different places. Um, but then in its current usage, just sociologically, they're, they're pockets of belonging. That's a positive thing. And so Jesus didn't need to be over tribe. Uh, tribes are good, groups of belonging, but tribalism was the negative. Hmm. Um, and just wanted to follow it up. I, I've got a story of my own most embarrassing example <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've, I've been greatly looking forward to this. So and th- and embarrass yourself. Let's okay, go. and then I want to talk about a word, uh, maybe to those who lean conservative politically and those who lean progressive politically uh, that I just didn't have time for in the sermon and decided just talk about that here since we're a politically diverse church. Um, and then um, uh, one of the responses to the message, I got a lot of response to it. Um, and one response was, you know, thank you, Mike, so much for this message. There's a different kind of tribalism within Christianity that I have been witness to and is the one that I most repented of at the end of the sermon and in worship. And I thought we'd open that one up a little bit. Awesome. Um, should I start with my story? Start with the embarrassing story. Yes, please. We're all, we all want to hear this. Okay, 23-year-old Mike Moses. Oh, boy. Fresh out of college, brimming with vim and vigor. And man, that that kid had great hair. <laughs> Big, surfer, bushy, blonde, long hair. Um, and I was a youth minister. I was on staff with a thing called Young Life, which is being youth pastor to unchurched kids. You hang out at events at a certain high school. I was at two high schools, at Grimsley High School and Southeast Guilford High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. I had moved back to my hometown to go on staff with Young Life. and So I was, at, uh, I was actually a youth pastor walking around my old high school campus four years after I graduated from there looking like a high school. I was often mistaken for a high school kid. Teacher would be like, hey, aren't you supposed to be in class, son? Um, that kind of thing. Uh, you must be confused by my hair. Yes, my, my, my <laughs> golden locks, my That's flow, <laughs> my flow. In fact, a really funny moment was uh, one boy at uh, Southeast Guilford said, hey, I want to go to that summer camp, Young Life, that you're talking to me about. It sounds great, but my mom's not sure. Would you, could you drive me home from school and, uh, and talk with her about camp and tell her what it is? And so I said, sure. So I drove this kid, his name is Brent, home to, to school to talk, uh, after school to talk to his mom about camp. And we walked in, and his mom was watching a, a soap opera or a game show. So she was a little distracted. And we walked in, and he goes, hey, Mom, this is, you know, my friend Mike I told you about. She goes, okay, hi, Mike. And, uh, and he goes, um, can, can I talk with you about summer camp? And she goes, honey, I'm watching my show right now. Why don't you and your little friend go make yourselves a snack? And then and he, the, the kid turned, he was a really white kid. He turned beet red. <laughs> Mom, this is my youth minister. And then she turned beet red. And after that, for the next few years, she would do anything I asked. If I asked her to host our our meetings of a hundred kids in her living room, she would say yes That's because awesome. she was so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but this story is about the fact that I, uh, you you guys know if you know me at all, you know how tribalistic I get about sports teams and schools and things, and I, I get I, I take it a little far. I, I when my boys were at Hopewell, I might have taken it a little far <laughs> in insulting Huff back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, that's kind of who I am. Um, uh, Hopefully, usually in the spirit, not in the flesh. So, I'm a Young Life guy at Grimsley, my my high school, and I'm a youth guy there. 
love Grimsley, and our hated rival. Do do you know other school names from Greensboro? Nope. That's right. You, um, Greensboro Page hated them. Hmm. I, I kind of hate them today, in a Jesus godly sports hatred. Yeah, I, I hope sports I hate. Hope. Sports hate. I would try I to tell myself them. is different than regular. Even though my girlfriend, uh, most of the way through high school, went there, I still hated them. Um, so, in, uh, um, fast forward. I go as a youth minister now. Grimsley and Page basketball game. I'm 23, and uh, it's my job to show up to these big events and just love on kids, relationally get to know kids. And then I would never invite a kid to our Young Life Club meetings, which were Monday nights. They were a lot of fun. I had a policy. I didn't invite because that could seem self-serving. It was up to other high school students to invite, but I'm getting to know. So I'm there getting to know. I'm at the basketball game. I'm sitting in the middle of the student section. Mm. Well, the game was close. And I get more into it and more into it. And if if you hate Duke of Carolina, you know that feeling like toward the end of the game, you just know the referees are going to make a call that always breaks their way. You know it's going to happen. Whatever the lucky thing is, is going to happen. It's going to break for Carolina and Duke. And that's the same with Page High School. I bet it's still the same today. I don't know why that is. You know, why, God? So – it was really close, and you knew this was going to happen. I did as a Grimsley partisan, and I'm in the middle of the student section, and sure enough, at the end, the referees make a call, and the game breaks Paige's way, and they're going to win, and I lost it, Harrison. I lost it. Yelling at the referees. I don't think I swore. I didn't use to cuss. Uh, uh, I don't think I swore, but I, I lost my mind. Just picture that. Mm -hmm. Yelling at the referees, ranting, and like it's I start noticing everybody else is seated seating sitting down around me. Um and I'm just giving it to the ref. So I you know, I sat down, I calmed down, and I didn't think about it again. Well, guess who was the young life staffer at Page High School in those days? My boss. Oh boy. In Young Life. Yeah. He was sitting on the other side of that gymnasium. Oh, um, no. And, uh, and the next morning, as soon as I came into the office, Mike, uh, would you come in here and close the door? And he gave me a what for, a what's up, a behind the woodshed kind of a supervisory tongue lashing that I richly deserved. I am a representative of the gospel of Jesus Christ on campus, and there I am, blah, 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 indulging the flesh. <laughs> so um, that left an impression on me. Uh, I, I, after that, usually manage to control myself, at least when I'm somewhere in an official capacity. There's some lessons like that that you really only have to learn all the way once. And then <laughs> from then on... It lodges itself firmly but in your brain. Honestly, that was the spirit of tribalism. Yeah. That I would lose my Christian standards, my ethics in public. And, and I mean, that really is the root of what we were applying God's word to Sunday, that we will excuse our ethics when in the, if we've allowed ourselves to really almost hate or so or, or convince ourselves that the person, the tribe on the other side, 
is so evil they're going to wreck our country, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, one more coda to the story. I went through a period in my 20s of uh, sleep talking and sleep walking. We still don't know really why and why I stopped doing that, but I did that. And could, because I was married at a young age, my wife was the witness to it. Sometimes I'd get up and move things around or <laughs> have a conversation. Um, so one night, Angie says, this was at that same period of time early, early on, we were about to go to Young Life Camp, and I sat straight up in bed, and I said, I would never lead a cabin of page boys. <laughs> Can you believe it was that deep in even me, Harrison? In your, even in your sleep, Angie coming out. <laughs> loves to bring that up when oh, I need man. to, even today, be reminded of how partisan I can become when it comes to sports hatreds, and I can look ugly. I, I remember a, a Super Bowl, the Super Bowl when the Giants ruined the Patriots' perfect season I got ugly in Tom Brady's face on the screen at a Super Bowl party of Lake Forest people I'm surprised those people still attend this church and call me pastor uh I really afterward I I went to a couple people and said I hey I'm sorry I I really would that was ugly like it's in there for me so I was preaching to me (laughs) oh I feel you man you're preaching to me also I mean as of this you know, even in terms of your example, at this moment, Mike and I are sitting here in our respective <laughs> college right. choice uh, hats. Uh, Mike with the Tar Heels and myself with the Hurricanes. So I'm, I'm well versed in that. And as a, as a person who is was a South Florida native who's been living in the Carolinas since about 2005, I've been to, you know, my fair share of away games where the Hurricanes are the away team, and and I am I am the obnoxious fan in the middle of all of the hostility and you can definitely be tempted to bring it right right back <laughs> i've never seen you be uh unwholesome uh and ungood nature let's go to let's that. go to a hurricanes game together <laughs> okay well, uh, let's not uh, especially <laughs> yeah, right. if it's carolina Miami. exactly Let, let's just let's keep i like what we have going here in our friendship i'm fine Harrison. with that let's not do that i'm fine with um, that <clears throat> but the scriptures say let no unwholesome talk escape your lips and Tribal. I think when we when when we look back and realize, I just let myself go in my language, in my attitude, in my cursing, whatever, uh, social media or in conversation about another tribe. That's that's when we know we've allowed a tribe to be somewhat of an idol. So so here was something that I cut out of my sermon. Um, we we are a surprisingly politically diverse congregation. If you get beneath the surface and talk to people sometimes that's a challenge for people who join here and they haven't they've only been in a monopolitical church maybe that only allied themselves and did so very publicly and openly with conservative causes and such and they found the parts of the bible that that support that right because um uh and and they, they're a bit confused when they have progressive leaning christians in their community group uh and vice versa that's been interesting to me through the years um, so I like that about our congregation, and, mm-hmm. and, and there's reasons. That's intentional on our part. Um, but, I, but I did have a couple of thoughts that I, I maybe sh- I almost started the sermon this way, and, and this is kind of how I wrote this out, that, hey, we're going to talk about tribalism, and um, I'd like to help uh, if some of us may need disarming before getting into this conversation and allowing the Bible to flow into us. 
uh, instead of having a, a, a Tupperware lid on us because of our tribalism. And, and here, here's how I was thinking about it, that if, if you lean conservative politically, that, that I'm, I might have asked you to let your guard down a little bit on the front end because some on, on the way conservative into the spectrum have gotten to the point where if you address the subject of racism at all, if you bring it up, if you talk about it, that somehow, therefore, ipso facto, that makes you liberal or progressive or suspect mm-hmm. uh, in conservative circles. And I wanted to say, listen, uh, no, this is a moral issue. It's a sin and righteousness issue from God's word. Uh, and and I would I would hope that conservative-leaning Christians and their conservative circles will keep uh, conversation open to name the sin of racism when it comes up within own tribe or other tribe. And I tried to, to give—I gave a, an example on both ends Sunday, uh, I thought, in recent public life. Um, but, but to own that and deal with racial—with racism— as an issue of tribalism that is not it has political policy ramifications and you can disagree with how to how uh to take into account our history of it and how it should be handled today to root it out but but i just wanted to uh i i think for conservatives politically if you if you let your tribe take you to where you can't ever address the sin of racism. That's really going all the way down with tribalism because um, that's an ahis- that's a uh, anti-historical uh, way, and, and not taking seriously the fallenness, the sinfulness of humanity. Honestly, um, in, in a similar way, I, I, I wanted to say if you lean progressive politically and you're a Christian, let your guard down as we talk about John 4 on Sunday because some on on one end of progressive political circles are saying that if you address race issues and racism you can only do it through the lens of who is the oppressed and who is the oppressor that all people in all of history are one of those two class and that's really the only thing that matters and that is the root uh, identity even of a person you're oppressed or you're oppressor and then everything flows from that uh and that's the systemic way to look at it and if you don't look at it only through that lens therefore you are racist <laughs> and you have no voice in the matter and your opinion doesn't matter and i, I wanted to say would you would you the, the bible doesn't really give us those <laughs> as the two base categories for people's identity for any purposes, uh, including when it comes to tribalism or sin of one whole group or class of people against others, um, and and then I you know I wrote some stuff about our identity is uh, you know uh, redeemed or not sinner, <laughs> and then child of God or not, and and that the lens of oppression and oppressor are helpful and important in some specific aspects of this conversation and this issue. But, but can you let your guard down and engage the topic through the biblical moral lens, first and foremost, as a child of God? Um, 
and, and that being an ambassador of reconciliation should involve rooting out, naming and rooting out wherever there's any ongoing oppression. But let, let's, uh, let's not uh, allow those labels to be the only identity. It's funny because the, I mean, the, the early church, this was the book of Acts is a major plot of the book of Acts is this exact tribal struggle between the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. And they're going, well, who is the gospel for? And, and what do we have to do to get into the club of being a Jesus follower? What boxes do we have to check before you can say, if you're not a Jewish person, you have to jump through these hoops before we'll look at you and say, okay, well now you're part of our tribe. So it's, Mm -hmm. this has literally been a conversation since the actual beginning of Christianity from the, from the, the end of Christ's life on earth, this has been an issue since that moment. It's not the subtext in the book of Acts. It's, it's, it's like the f- front and center subject matter of uh, the first conflict in the early church was the, uh, the Greek Christians felt like Jewish widows were getting served better and first before the Greek widows in the church, and that was brought to the attention of the apostles. Uh, almost all of Paul's letters address the subject directly and openly, so that, uh, so therefore, that's why we addressed it openly on Sunday. I hope it was a helpful message to you. On the one hand, I, I kind of, you know, some people were like, wow, that was really powerful and important. And on the one hand, I was like, I didn't, I sure wasn't saying anything new or courageous. But we need to remind ourselves who we are as the people of God and what our ethic is, first and foremost. That's our primary tribe. Uh, and that was the apostles' point all the way through Acts and, and the letters. Hmm. And, and that, uh, that kind of gets us to, yes, this, the being a person of God is our primary, is to be our overarching tribe. We're part of the bride of Christ. We're children of God. We're uh, sent on God's mission of love to the world in the name of Christ. That's our primary. We're our ambassadors of Christ from another country, a good country, uh, to which we will return uh, someday. And uh, the most substantial response I got to the sermon was thanking me for it and then pointing out they had come recent. They recently uh, relocated as a believer locally from a, another local church that we're friendly with to Lake Forest. And uh, and actually, as part of the sermon, what what God's word brought out in this dear believer was a realization. Oh gosh, as I've reentered into as I've entered into Lake Forest, I've been thinking very tribalistically mm. about where the the church culture I'd been a part of just before coming to Lake Forest, and I've been really judging Lake Forest through Christian tribalism lenses. Hmm. Like, oh, uh, Lake Forest doesn't have this or that strength. Oh, they're weak in this area where my former church was really strong in. And I won't, I won't give any details. And this person, I, th- I love this, Harrison, about anything. When, when I hear an example or see an example of someone who shows up to worship, is truly engaging with the Spirit of God in a teachable, humble, humble matter. That God will speak to us if we have that. Hmm. Even if the the person teaching God's word is terrible that day, says wrong stuff. If we have, if we have an uh, open spirit, then God's spirit, Jesus promised, will illuminate God's truth for us. Um, and that happened for this person, whether 
was in my words or in spite of them. And this person actually followed through and went to the prayer room to pray a prayer of confession with the prayer team member of Christian tribalism, mm-hmm. um, of d- judging our stream of Christianity and the way that we have are led uh, to express our faith here at Lake Forest with certain strengths that we've chosen and certain weaknesses that some of which we're aware of and some were not. And, and so that walked out with a real new freedom and love for their new church, Lake Forest, and just wanted to tell me that and say that within Christianity there is uh, a lot of heavy tribalism where it's, again, the way I defined it Sunday, which I took from a blog post, uh, tribalism is, is uh, a tribe is, is a place of belo- in a, a group of belonging, which is positive. Tribalism often moves into um, having an, uh, one of the ways you can gauge tribalism, which is unhealthy, is an unhealthy posture toward those who don't belong to your tribe. And, and that was what triggered her to repent over that. I, and I think practically, like, <clears throat> behind the scenes a little bit, not as a bragging on ourselves story or anything, but this is just like a practical application of something that has helped us, I think, on the staff level. I've been, you know, I've been a part of different church situations. Like you said, there's some tribalism involved. And from time to time, you'll get people who come to you and they're just itching to it, what amounts really at the end of the day to, to gossip. There's a different ways to approach it. If you have a, there may be something another church is doing that you have a, a serious theological concern about. Maybe you want to have an adult conversation about that. That's one thing. But when it's like, Hey, did you hear about blah, 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 uh-huh. like uh-huh. we've, we've really, I think done a good job of even internally when we're sitting in meetings and stuff, we really don't, we're not going to talk about other things other churches are doing unless it's good stuff because you know, there, that, that only leads you down a road of, you know, you kind of ends up feeling it's just snarky at first. It's fun. Yeah. It's sarcastic. We're just having a good time. And then, it, you know, we, we don't, we don't even really engage in that level of stuff because we, we really want to, look toward the best of about every church that yes. we think at least at the core of what they're doing is a good intention it's to reach people to with the good news of mm-hmm. Christ. So we're going to go, you know mm-hmm. what? We're going to we're going to in our discussions about it, we're going to give you benefit of of the doubt and we're not going to try and rip other churches behind the scenes of they're doing something we think is goofy or whatever. Yeah. And that's led I think to an attitude even on a staff level for us where no one's going around the halls upstairs in the office. That's true. Blah, blah, blah about this church. You hear that about this church, that, that spirit just, we've done pretty well. Yeah. It doesn't Uh, really um, exist in spite of the tendencies that I just told you about it, that it exists in my own heart. And I, um, you know, early in the life of our church, I made a little too much of a living in, in my preaching and vision casting and going up to the line of critiquing other expressions of the Christian faith and kind of saying we're not going to be this kind of that kind of church and and I crossed the line especially one Sunday years ago and 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 mocked in my sermon by by doing an impression of him a a well-known public pastor in another state Mm. and then critiqued his theology it was an accurate critique yeah (laughs) but it was mocking and ugly and I came back the next Sunday and repented publicly of that and I've tried, attempted to help hold myself to never publicly critiquing another pastor or church 
for the reason you said, who, who in good faith is attempting to point to Christ. I, I will critique the theology, but I try mm-hmm. to not do that by name. Uh, and, I, and again, by, through getting it wrong and then repenting, that made such an impression on me, and the Lord has, has shaped me to go, really go the other direction pretty well publicly since then. Um, interestingly, Harrison, when I started in church ministry, out of, when I was in seminary, I was in my mid-20s, and it was all of us—I'm the oldest year of Gen Xers, and we were now coming in owning church leadership, spiritual leadership— and there was a lot of ferment in that time at the Fuller Seminary and other seminaries of young 20-something pastors. And part of it was negative. We were critiquing the baby boomer Christian leadership generation. But part of it was there was real positive ferment. And one of the things among guys and women my age um, nationally and, and just in my own circles that now we look back and identify and I've actually validated this with a lot of pastors my age now now that we're we've been in ministry for 20 30 years we literally felt from the spirit a calling to combat tribalism church to church we're like mm-hmm. why is the church in the 20th century wasted so much energy in intramural disputes mm-hmm. spending time critiquing another denomination's view of the end times you know, interpretation of Revelation, or another denomination's view of Revelation or communion, or baptizing babies or not baptizing babies. Why are we wasting time in intramural tribalistic disputes? When there's a lot of people who need to know Jesus, <laughs> the biggie on the eye chart. So that was actually, I was not alone. That I have discovered that that was a project that the Holy Spirit sort of seeded throughout my generation of North American church leadership. I've I've actually asked that of pastors that I get to know now who are my age and they and that has been a project and a fairly successful one hmm. in our generation hmm. where now our 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 pastor fellowships in our region or nationally that I'm a part of we overlook those different differences. In particular if you just said my friendship with Farrell Lemming the lead pastor at the local charismatic church, Foursquare Denomination, um, uh, Grace Covenant Church. Um, we've done a lot of things with them. We've held worship services with them. While our theo- our doctrine is really different in, in, in the non-essential particulars, very different, um, the, our, our heart for the gospel and the core of the, the essential of the Christian faith we, we've aligned on. But I, I re- in my research for this sermon, Harrison, I ran across a number of, number of blog posts. I didn't address this in the sermon, uh, but I will now in, in closing. I ran across a lot of uh, blog mentions that tribalism may be on the rise again hmm. of Bible-believing churches spending a lot of time slamming other churches who do it differently. Do so a lot of younger Christians, they see that on the rise. Do you? Yeah, well, I, I think I think I do only because um, there's a large part of this, I think, that we're all hunting for our uh, imaginary internet points. And it's really easy to mm. get those by, dunk, mm. by dunking on yeah. something that you see as okay. you know, a little goofy or ridiculous yeah. or something you can be outraged you talked about outrage yes, a couple weeks ago it's right. it's very easy to score uh 
imaginary internet points that do not exist with your own tribe. Yeah, with that's your who own, you're trying to score points. Yeah, with. you're scoring points to the people that already agree with you, and they go, "Oh man, that was a good one. Yeah, you got that." And and these these points are. Uh, no cash value, no emotion. The, the only value is maybe a little ping of uh, serotonin or something where you're yeah. like, oh, people like me. But, yeah, I mean, I think I see that just in that sense of we uh, with the rise of that. And I and I think just really quickly, I, I think a lot of that comes back to what you were saying before, Mike, and what we were talking about, where there's such a large difference between a thoughtful critique of an idea or a theological point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's on one hand over here and you can approach the same material, but when you do it mockingly Mm -hmm. degradingly with like a spirit of like, (laughs) look at those morons over there, then, then that's where that becomes just, you're missing the, you're, you're, you're attacking the, the human behind it rather than the idea. And I think that's where it gets hard. And it violates the new Testament ethic to let your speech be full of grace and gentleness, seasoned with the salt of truth. Um, well, I, I uh, cut and pasted one of those. Or I, I was surprised. I was distur- distressed to learn that Harrison. I don't read a lot of blogs, and I don't read the contentious social media things these days. I, I've I've sort of got some other focus. Uh, about to teach my seminary class, I'm, I'm I, I focus on different kind of content. So it makes me a little unaware. Like sometimes I'll say something that happens to be a really sticky subject in the blogosphere or on the political, you know, front that, and people will be like, Oh, he must be this or that when I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I cut and pasted an article. I ended up not referring to it in the sermon. I didn't deal with Christian tribalism. So I, I failed to connect with who this author was, but, but he, uh, he or she addressed this Christian tribalism a little bit. And I thought this was helpful. Um, uh, like a tribe is about belonging in, 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 and it's good to love your church and be passionate about it in its distinctives. Um, but it, it, if belonging to a tribe is about, in a church now they're saying, is about yep. forging healthy boundary lines of identity, I thought that was good. We, we, one reason we join a church is so that we have some actual identity lines, some boundary lines of our Christian identity. Uh, of belonging. But Christian tribalism is an attitude of war towards those who we perceive are pursuing a lesser version of Christianity. Hmm. Um, and this is the writer who's the, the one that I copied uh, that said in the last few years has had a growing sense that Christians are becoming more tribal. And I would say, based on my generation, again. Sure. <laughs> and, and that makes sense, though, because of the divisiveness in our culture. And it's sad to me that church leaders and Christians are aping the culture and being captive to this idolatry of tribe. Uh, and and this writer uh, gave four reasons this is a really bad thing for Christians, tri- Christian tribalism, to be about warring against or tearing down another stream or expression of Christianity. And I, I thought these were helpful. I'll pass these along in closing. One, they wrote, tribalism prevents learning um, uh, and, and makes the point that every stream of Christianity has its own disappointments and weaknesses, but every tribe in Christianity generally has its own unique positive contribution and inspirational emphases within Christianity. So like charismatics teach us how to pray as though it's going to change the world. 
as though God's actually listening and active in this world. I learned that. I was with some charismatic believers this weekend, and they, I was, they challenged me in a good way. Their example did. Um, Reformed Christians teach us the beauty of digging deep into God's Word exegetically and being theologically consistent, for example. Contemplative spirituality teach, speaks into the deep recesses and, and the mystical longings of the soul and how to invite the Holy Spirit in there in, in ways you can't rationally account for, etc., etc. Hmm. So tribalism prevents learning from other streams of Christianity. And I think that's a, stream, a strength of our church when we say we're an ancient future church. At our best, we're learning from other historic expressions of Christianity. So tribalism, Christian tribalism prevents learning. Number two, Christian tribalism mirrors the culture. Uh, and that's just really sad. Rather than seizing the prayer, I'm sorry, the opportunity to answer Jesus' prayer of unity for the church that all who believe would be one, and then and he says, therefore the world will know that I am Lord. And instead, when what you were just talking about, when you see that online, scoring points for my sub-tribe in ugly ways by indulging in sinful words and mocking attitudes, what happens is these young Christians and non-Christians are watching online, and they are wondering, is the gospel really true? Because I don't see these people living it out. Mm. And so uh, when we mirror the culture with Christian tribalism, it hurts our witness, and it hurts Jesus' heart because he prayed we would be one. Number three, um, tribal, Christian tribalism is a practice in theological short-sightedness um, in the sense of when we're tribal and, and we— fervently believe my version of Christianity is the missing link. It's going to solve everything. Well, that's a lack of just leaning into the the theological truth that, yes, already the kingdom has come in Christ and in our hearts, and he reigns in the church, but it's not yet going to be perfect until Christ comes again. But we can have this fervency that if everybody would believe the way me and my church do— the world would be perfect. Christianity would be perfect. It, it's actually a theological um, error hmm. in that regard. I thought that was a great point, that every tribe leaks <laughs> somewhere in, in their faith, and every tribe is a part of the kingdom, every Christian tribe that owns to Jesus' lordship. And then the final point was that Christian tribalism hurts the next generation, that it must be odd to be a in a youth group or a college student Christian and see the divisiveness among Christians playing out. You know, like, um, how, again, I made this point already, um, how, how, how can they reconcile the call toward Christian unity they see in the Bible with mm-hmm. postures of superiority and belittling we see from Christian to Christian today? I think that's what was so hurtful to me when there were a couple of churches that took a very public stance uh, an anti-mask, anti-vax stance against our county mandate for masking. And not only did they take a public stance of, hey, this is oppression, and uh, okay, fine, if you want to go there. But they took a stance and said, if your church doesn't agree with us, you should leave that church. Mm-hmm. That was ugly, and they were rightly called out. I, I wondered if I should call them personally. Uh out on that and have personal interaction or publicly, I decided that was not my calling. I don't need to 
I, I sure don't need to get in that mug and wrestle with mud and wrestle with that pig. I'll just get mud on me. Yep. <laughs> uh, there were those who did, and I was just disappointed. Honestly, um, they're not horrible people. It's not a horrible church, but but it was an abrogation of this, and it hurts the next gen- young Christians. Talk to me about that specifically, uh-huh. uh, how disappointing it was. Uh, and l- now let me quote this author in closing. To take it one step further, I believe the next generation knows the true underlying reason for Christian tribalism, power. To preserve our own status means to build up one's own tribe. This also means tearing down the status of those we believe we're in competition with. It would be an understatement to say that the next generation sees right through all the posturing and virtue signaling. And Harrison, oh, I I need to be called out when I get in this territory. Um... And uh, finishes this. Uh, author and professor uh, Gerald Stitzer in, uh, in a certain book writes, Every generation of believers faces the risk of becoming a prisoner to its own myopic vision of the Christian faith, hmm. assuming that how it understands and practices faith is always the best. End of quote. And here's the final sentence, uh, two sentences. It's my hope and prayer that God stirs my generation of pastors and leaders to be set free from our myopic vision to love our tribes, our Christian tribes, sincerely while extending a hand of love and learning toward other Christian tribes. I believe the church at large and the world will be better for it. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you prayed that all those who come to believe in your name and all generations will be one as you and the Father are one, that the world may know and believe that you are Lord, and they may enter your rest and kingdom therefore. Friends, thanks for tuning in to the Ask LFC podcast. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. See you guys there.